Rio de Janeiro With a big man Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Frio de Janeiro. This is Abid Imam. It's a fantastic feeling when someone that you've personally known from a young age has gone on to achieve success in a chosen field. Our guest, Sean Terry, has done exactly that. Sean is an international cricketer who has played for Ireland. He's also played for Hampshire at county level, featured for England in a test match, and played for the Perth Scorchers in the Big Bash League. Sean and I played cricket together for some years as juniors, and he always had this undeniable talent, and I'm so proud that he kicked on his career, showing great application. His cricket journey, which you'll get to hear about, is fascinating. Sean was good enough to explore a number of highly relevant themes, such as mental health. He's achieved quite a bit in the game already. You can tell he's still got places to go and more contributions to make. Please enjoy this chat with Sean Terry. Sean Terry, it's an absolute pleasure to have you join me in the studio and I'm really excited. I've been really looking forward to this interview because we can talk about our childhood and yeah. getting to know each other on the cricket field and walking or driving into the studio today, I was thinking it's just crazy that these decades have passed by and you've gone on to play international cricket and achieved so much in the game. So I really want to maybe let's start by talking about how we got to know each other and what your memories are. Yeah, no, um, well, first of all, mate, thanks thanks for having me. I've been equally as excited. I know uh, it's uh, probably not good from both of us that we probably haven't spent a bit more time together and caught up, but no, I'm looking forward to having a chat. Um, my memories, uh, yeah, we, we were attached. We were sort of always walking around at, at Tompkins Park and, and playing cricket and playing sport. I think we both share that that love for sport and, um, yeah, and obviously a bit of club cricket and yeah, it's amazing how the times pass, but no, we had a we had a great friendship, and it's yeah, it's it's great to be here today. We started at Ardross Junior Cricket Club, yeah. which is not far from where we are right now, and uh, you gave me a nickname of Sir Catchalot, which <laughs> I still remember to this day. <laughs> uh, we you were always a very t- talented batsman, um, from what I remember, and you could see the signs of uh, a, a, a cricketer who was going to go on to great things. What do you remember of, or what do you think about those junior days and how that really helped you to embed your, your talents and, and get started? Yeah, I've always sort of yeah, reflect on club career and it's amazing how um, you just have that, that love for, for the game. And I, I just remember, I've, I've actually thought about it recently, you, you wish that you could sort of harness that feeling you have when you're a kid and playing club cricket. There's no, there's no pressure, you're just playing for that, that pure enjoyment um, and obviously being from a, a cricketing family, it was just all I ever wanted to do when I was a kid. So my memories of all those days are just great. Love playing for obviously Ardross and um, yeah, just had so many good times. You still see people now, um, you just make good friends and that's what that's what's so great about cricket. But yeah, all positive memories. Loved, I loved, uh, I think I was lucky moving over from England, I got to play, play over in Australia, a bit, bit, uh, bit sunnier and a bit, <laughs> a bit nicer. <laughs> You were born in England, whereabouts, and then when did you actually make the move over to, to Perth? So I was born in Southampton, um, so Dad uh, played county cricket for Hampshire, and um, yes, yeah, so I spent my first few years over there, um, and then luckily they made the decision when I was about five years old, uh, when Dad retired from, from cricket over there, um, yeah, he moved over to, to coach Melville, um, 
he'd spent a few summers over playing for Perth and I think both my parents sort of fell in love with it and yeah I'm pretty thankful that yeah they made the move. You mentioned your dad played uh, cricket for England, yeah, uh, Test cricketer. What sort of environment was that having someone who had achieved at a highest level, having someone who's your dad um, as mm. an influence growing up playing cricket too? Yeah, I think obviously without realising when you're a kid and you're, you're spending time at um, so it was Northlands Road was Hampshire's old ground and um, yeah from what from what I hear I was just always always there always around and and when you grow up in that environment and you're around you obviously you just develop a love for the game and without knowing you you just want to everyone wants to be like their dad a lot of the time so um, yeah just all all my memories from England are all cricket related and obviously that's where I fell in love with it and um, obviously you look up to your dad and and yeah obviously I look to follow a similar path to him. It looked destined that Melville Cricket Club was going to have a big role in your career because I remember when we would finish our Ardross Junior Cricket Club games, usually finishes around 12 o'clock yeah. and then the Melville boys right next door would start their warm-ups and yeah. we'd go straight over <laughs> yeah. and, and join them. And yeah. It was great access to a team that had some fantastic players at the time. Yeah. And you know Adam Voges were was knocking around, yeah. Scott Millman, players who went on um, in their careers. So... What do you remember from that step playing from from Ardross to getting to finally represent Melville Cricket Club yourself? Yeah, it's it's amazing. You look, I look back now, and you go playing for Melville. Even you go to the trials, and obviously at that age, you don't realise that you're probably a bit more talented than than everyone. Well, than a few people, and you go to the trials, and you're just hoping that you're going to get it in. Because for, for me, playing for Melville was such a big deal. Because obviously, I was I've been at the club since I was five, six years old, so. For me, it was it was the pinnacle for at, at a stage where you go, I've got to, I've got to do it. I've been around all these guys. I've got to play for Melville. So, um, yeah, it's funny that, yeah, it's played played such a huge role. And yeah, some of the cricket cricketers, as you say, that we got to sort of be around and um, learn off. With, yeah, it was yeah, it was, you look up to him, and that's why I probably take my role at Melville pretty seriously now. We were pretty cheeky, weren't we? We <laughs> yeah. would go and. <laughs> And sneak into the change rooms when the Melville boys were fielding and have a go with Scott Millman's bat. Yeah. And if he's listening to this now, we'll say sorry. But uh, when you look back on it, like Sean Gillies, uh, Dimitri Mascarinus, who made his name hitting all those sixes against India, yeah. the calibre of the Melville cricket team at that time, mm. um, so many guys went on to international. And then we always looked forward to the likes of Mike Hussey or Justin Langer coming to visit Tompkins Park and yeah. seeing those plays up close. Brad Hogg, uh, just uh, really, really good memories for me because I never went on to elite cricket. Yeah. When we l- probably lost contact was when you made that move over to England mm. as a teenager. Uh, well, walk us through those yeah. steps for you. Yeah, so obviously cricket for me just obviously developed and developed. And yeah, I probably always had that, that dream to, to play for, for Hampshire and growing up in Perth and the, the environment, the wacker environment, that was never a, a popular thing. So um yeah, it was just always something I wanted to do. So I developed, obviously, I played a lot for my school here. I went to Aquinas um, College and, and yeah, obviously just cricket kept getting more serious. And, um, and after I finished school, I did the what a lot of young Aussies do and I, I went and played a, a season in Liverpool. Um, yeah, it seems like so long ago now. Um, just, to, just to do, it was just what you were meant to do. So I went and did that and then actually developed. So the next year I went back and spent a summer with the uh, MCC Young Cricketers. Um, basically, it's for the old school people, it would be the Lord's Ground staff. So you, you basically live around Lord's 
play a bit of cricket, um, help and during the test match with the with the covers and and whatnot. And I absolutely loved that six months, and it it actually just eventuated that. So you would play against the second eleven teams from from the other counties, and I went down to to Hampshire and we played a twenty twenty, and I ended up getting a few runs and. Um, I think the chairman at the time was good. Well, it's still the chairman, Rod Bransgrove. He was he's good friends with Dad, and I think as soon as he saw me get some runs, it was his excuse to get me get me signed and get me on board. So yeah, from there I ended up um, living the dream, I guess, and signing my first contract with with Hampshire. Yeah. So many Australian cricketers talk about going over to play county and how they learn about the traditions of the game and the grounds and the legend of, and gives them a greater appreciation of mm. it all. You said you had some really fun tasks at the MCC. Yeah. Uh, what were some of those? Were you involved with test matches and things like that? Yeah. So any any test match we um we had yeah we used to get assigned roles in the morning basically so you rock up and you'd either be handing out. Uh, programs or you'd be on the covers or there was one job where you had to suit up in your in your MCC blazer and you had to sit in the pavilion and basically uh, confirm who was the next batter coming out so I remember the test matches I did with Sri Lanka and India so India was all right because you obviously knew Tendulkar, Dravid and then some of the Sri Lankans (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'll go with uh, yeah Jai Warner and uh, Sangakara, and there was a couple of tough names. So, yeah, a few of the boys didn't. A few of the boys struggled with that one. But yeah, it's obviously amazing to be at, to be at Lords and be involved in a Test match. If anyone's listening about Lords and you're thinking about it, you have to do it. It's the Catalina wine mixer of cricket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the greatest things you could go to as a sports fan. <laughs> Some mates and I just went in August uh, past to the Ashes. Yeah, uh, we had a day five ticket. Yeah, and we were so happy that it rained on day one, which meant that day five would happen for yeah. us. <laughs> and it was like Christmas, you know, just being able to walk behind the members area yeah, and amazing, see those, see the blazers and. Just the elite nature of that whole um, that whole ground and the buzz that it just has. Yeah, people talk about the buzz. You just hear this sound, and it's just it's amazing. So yeah, lovely place. You said the blazer. Did you get the proper? You get a proper blazer as the oh, MCC? we got a we got a MCC young creators one. So it's just a navy blazer with the MCC emblem. But yeah, still uh, yeah, still got it, and yeah, hold it close. Something that people were debating even over there was how do you pronounce the – is it Marylebone or Marylebone? Oh, I always went with Marylebone, but uh, yeah, so yeah, there's a few few different uh, do, few different ways to pronounce it and they, and they take it very serious, the MCC members, so yeah, you don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> was it a bit of early on uh, culture shock in terms of the level of cricket for you and how did you sort of react to that? Yeah, I think for me – Growing up, I probably was always talented, but I probably never scored the amount of runs um, that that I probably should have. Um, and then it all happened very quickly. I, and I probably, when I first started at Hampshire, I thought I felt like a bit of an imposter. I was like, oh, I've got here because I obviously had a couple of great innings in Hampshire. Simon, I was just some of the players there. I was I used to look up to because Dad was still involved with them for a while after he played. So, and then I was in the same changing room. So I probably felt like oh my. Oh my God! What am I doing? Um, I'm probably not good enough to be here. So that was my initial thing at Hampshire, and then I grew into it. I actually I played my first game my first year. So um, yeah, it happened pretty quick. Was it just an innings that helped you get over the imposter thing, or was it just time and hard work, grinding? Yeah, I think just once you're, you're around the environment, you just get used to it. Um, get a few runs that always helps, and. Um, yeah, I remember my first class debut was against uh, a uni. So over there, they have the 
it's a bit yeah it's a dubious subject but so first class universities over there so there's Loughborough and Durham and they have first class status so that was my first class debut and I got 50 odd and I guess just to do that I guess helped out a bit but yeah it was always a battle because we had such great players when I was there so county cricket as opposed to Sheffield Shield Mm. what are the differences yeah I guess over in Australia they, they probably don't think that county cricket is is as strong and I guess they have an argument when you look at some sides, probably in Division 2 over in England. But, yeah, I got to play with Kadic, uh, Neil McKenzie from South Africa. Um, yeah, there's some top international players. And, yeah, I think you look at some of the, the county cricketers coming through to play for England now, the standard the standard is high, particularly if you're in that Division 1. So, no, I think it's great cricket. And it's obviously the county grind, they call it. So you're obviously you're always on the bus, you're always travelling, you're always playing. So And I love that fact. Um, about that because it's just different to here where you, you might not bat for three weeks whereas in England you're just always learning because you're always just playing all the time so um, there's a lot of differences to it um, but I think they both have their own challenges it's obviously much different conditions and, and whatnot. And so the home ground for Hampshire is the Rose Bowl, mm. a great venue. They've had quite a few test matches yeah. and the like and you got the opportunity to actually field in a test match for England. <laughs> yeah. How did that materialise? <laughs> So, yeah, basically they just, um, the home home county, which Hampshire, where it was the England-India test, they have to just provide three um, three fielders, um, and I was one of them. Um, and then, yeah, basically you're just around the England team for for five days, and they put you through a serious warm-up, and I obviously performed a bit better than the other two in the warm-up, so they make you the number one fielder if something happens, and I thought, oh, I might get an over here or there. But I remember sitting there in the morning, can't remember day two or day three, and someone, one of the Indian players nicked one and hit Ian Bell on the end of the finger, and he didn't look in a good way, and I went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up spending the whole day uh, out there, and it was the most exhausting experience of my life. Um, but, yeah, I ended up, yeah, after tea, one went up from Ajinka Rahani and in the sky it was probably one of the most nervous moments of my life but I managed to cling on to it so yeah I took a catch for England which was a bit bit funny and yeah I remember for, for a day or two my phone was going off the hook <laughs> how did they how did the England dressing room respond to a guy with an Aussie accent <laughs> yeah I tried to I tried to keep it nice and uh, nice and subtle but um it's funny because through through dad I um I knew a few of them um Alistair Cook actually came over when he was a young guy and, and trained with dad so he was the captain at the time and it's actually funny, Sam Robson, um, who's an Australian that's that's played um, for England, it was actually um, a good friend of uh, one of my good friends. So we'd actually been out a couple of times and so it was funny. He was uh, he was at short leg and sort of relaxing me a bit. He's, he was talking about Melville and, yeah, it was funny. So, yeah, I had a couple of people to, to relax me. Can you imagine that? You're playing against India in a test match in, in England and the Next to you is a bloke talking about Melville Cricket Club. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so he was going, come on, the Stormers and all this. So it was pretty funny. What made it so exhausting? I think the fact of, first of all, you're playing against India, so it was packed. Um, you know, millions are watching. And as a 12th man, if you take a catch, people will think, oh, that's pretty cool for a day. But if you drop one, that's 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 staying with you for a long time. So um, I think just that that pressure of, not a lot to gain and a whole lot to lose was yeah it was yeah it was a crazy experience I remember going home that that night to my uh, house in Southampton and I was yeah I was absolutely buggered it was funny that was your first taste of international cricket Mm. 
from that moment, was there still the hope of playing for England or was it now other avenues? Yeah, no, I think that was always always the dream. And then, um, yeah, when you're involved in county cricket, things can happen very quick. So I always, I, I remember always writing down when I used to go over that I wanted to play for, get in the, in the first team and then you obviously want to play for the England Lions, which is the A team. And then, um, yeah, I knew if I was able to click things together that it was... I'd never if you're not going to do that then there's no point point in playing so yeah definitely at that stage I still thought yeah you, n- you can never you're never far away if you put a few innings together but yeah it's funny how it all turned out you moved to Ireland mm. to increase the opportunities of playing for Ireland um so oh there's a few reasons so county cricket and, and Hampshire a few things happened where it just wasn't quite working out for me and um I definitely needed a needed a change, so um, yeah, the Irish route came up. Um, always something that I'd always sort of considered because it was it was there, but it just never worked out with with county cricket. And I thought, yeah, it's it's a good time to to head over to Dublin and see if I can um, yeah get inside. For the listener, the the background there is your mum's Irish. Yeah, <clears throat> mum's from from Dublin. Yeah, so you you're bubbling off to Dublin. Yeah, and uh, what's the cricket scene like in Dublin? It's yeah. Going into it, I had I literally didn't know what to expect. I guess you look at Ireland, you go cricket's not not a big deal. It's not they'll be wanting to play Gaelic football or hurling. And I went over there, and it's funny the, the cricket community is small, but it, it's a very intense environment. It's very um, yeah, it's very cliquey, and there's they they have a strong passion for the game, and that that's where I uh, yeah when I first went there, it gave me a bit of a shock. Um, yeah, it's very like families play. So if a brother plays, a sister plays, the dad's played. It's just a very, um, yeah, it's passed down through the family and very close. Everyone knows each other. And then, yeah, there was this uh, English-Australian coming over to try and play for Ireland that, yeah, didn't go down too, too well at, at, at the start. They're very uh, parochial over in Ireland. So what did you have to do to gain their trust? I mean, for the warm-up of the the India versus England game, you had to do some pretty yeah. uh, tough warming-up yeah. exercises. What what sort of things did they put you through to see if your allegiances are Irish? Well, yeah, they definitely definitely tested me out because I remember um, I got picked quite early to play for Ireland Day, um, and that really didn't go down well, even with a lot of the lot of the guys that I was was playing with and. Yeah, it was it was a it was a strange strange vibe, but and I didn't start that well either. I couldn't score any runs. I was going, oh god, and then uh, ended up scoring a few runs, and um, people started to go, oh, he can play. And they, they, I think eventually they saw I wasn't a bad guy, and that I was really committed to to playing for Ireland. I didn't take it lightly or think I was just going to walk in. And knowing a bit about my family history, when I'd spoke to a few people, knowing how strong my Irish roots were, you get sometimes I think they'd had a few guys who's grandmothers yeah whatever this crazy link and they've managed to qualify and um yeah but my my Irish roots are are pretty strong mum's one of seven kids and they're all still there so yeah I've got a very very strong link to to Dublin and I think yeah finally got a few uh allies was it a strategy of Irish cricket to look at players who have some allegiances from family roots or were you one of one of the targeted players that they had um, that really wanted to come move over, show commitment? Yeah. Uh, how are Ireland sort of looking at um, that, you know, the community of Irish people outside of the country? Is that a target for them? Um, to, be, to be honest, I don't think 
I don't think it is in chatting to a few people because there was that period where they first emerged onto the scene. I think it was 2007 where they beat Pakistan and um, it's where Bob Woolmer, that mysterious um, death, um, and half the side was Australian. And I think from what I hear in chatting to people, I think it, it rubbed a few Irish people up the wrong way and they started to go down the route of trying to produce Irish players so I don't think they actively do look for for that and I think for me it was actually me going listen I want to come and play Um, and they were big on the commitment piece of well we don't want another county cricketer that's going to fly in fly out if you want to come then you come and immerse yourself in club cricket and um, show people that you're that you're committed and I tried my best to do that Um, but yeah for them it's it's going to be it's going to be tough because trying to produce international cricketers purely from playing cricket in Ireland is going to be a real challenge and I think they're I think they'll really learn that in the next few years from what I've seen of what's coming through so yeah maybe they they will start sending out the emails to to different countries yeah you can see how competitive international cricket is getting with yeah. T20 and Afghanistan are becoming quite strong and mm. That was the nation you had your debut against. Yeah, no, my first yeah first game was in uh, was in Belfast against Afghanistan, and yeah, it was crazy. It was yeah, it still is one of the most special moments. Um, and it, again, and it does seem to happen with me. Some things just sort of happen very quick. I ended up playing an A game. I got a double hundred against Scotland, and I was straight in. Um, and then yeah, you're facing Rashid Khan, and then the likes. Um, yeah, it was crazy. What else do you remember from your debut? Because I, I love recalling Mike Hussey, who played for so long in shield cricket, and mm. you see him in tears, trying to fight tears, yeah. facing his first ever ball at yeah. international level. So, our test level, what was it like for you? Yeah, it was just, it was a bit surreal, really. Um, yeah, I walked out to bat, and Afghanistan, they're quite mouthy, so you can come out and they're quite. <laughs> You don't know what they're saying, but it was you knew that it wasn't nice. Um, I remember that they had uh, their keeper Mohammed Shazad. I don't know if they quite a yeah. porky keeper. Yes. So he, yeah, he was into me. Um, had Ed Joyce at the other end, who's probably Irish cricket's um, yeah legend. Really, um, he was at the other end, and I remember I got off the mark first ball. I wasn't in for very long, but yeah, it's something like that. It's a very proud moment when you step back and realise what you're actually doing. You're representing a, a country. I was representing. It was probably the first time where I'd represented my mum as in terms of the, that, and really, uh, yeah, it was special. Yeah. Were your parents there? No, no, they didn't. They didn't come over. Um, but I had my auntie actually over there. But yeah, not too many people like the drive to Belfast with Dublin license plates. <laughs> <laughs> true, yeah. true. Well, not long after you played against Australia, <laughs> yeah. the might of Australia. Surely that was a game the parents came to. No, so that that again happened really uh out of the blue because I, I flew back to australia from from ireland and they'd picked a squad to go to south africa to play south africa and uh australia and i wasn't originally in it and then i had a call i was having a net leaming so i had a call from the coach john bracewell and i was like that's strange because i don't think i'd ever got too many calls off him and uh ed joyce who got injured and they said oh you could fly to south africa tomorrow and so i ended up flying to johannesburg and wasn't meant to be in the team and then Niall O'Brien, who's another Irish cricket legend, fell over in the shower or something. So, <laughs> so then I was in this hotel in Johannesburg and we actually played South Africa first and I played that game. And then, yeah, we played the Aussies uh, a couple of days later. 
Which ground was that in, in South Africa? Uh, so it was Willamore Park. So it's in a place called Benoni, so just outside of Joburg. Um, so, yeah, it was crazy because I remember the first game was against South Africa and got told in the morning that I was going to play. And I thought, oh, South Africa, Ireland, there won't be, won't be much of a crowd. I remember driving in and going, oh, <laughs> there was people setting up barbecues on the hill and it was packed absolutely packed because obviously Benoni is not a place where they they get to see the South African players De Villiers Duplessis and guys like that so um yeah heart sunk a little bit there when I saw saw the size of the crowd and and then you're obviously out there packed house and Quinton de Kock and yeah as I said Duplessis and guys are whacking it all over the place and it was yeah it was a crazy experience uh, the Australia game, I did see the footage of uh, <laughs> yeah. because Steve Smith... Do we Smith, have to talk about this? <laughs> I, yeah, I knew I wanted to soften you up before yeah. we talk about it. But it was a it was an, a weird sort of dismissal for yes. sure. Yeah. What, what are your recollections of it? No, I was, yeah, obviously I'd built that game up a lot in my, uh, in my head. Obviously singing the national anthems before was a little bit, little bit strange and a few of the Irish boys thought it was pretty funny. They were pinching me on the bum and trying to get me to smile and stuff during the Aussie <laughs> one and telling me to sing. And um, Yeah, I remember we actually started really well, which we usually do with Paul Sterling. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen much of him play, a really talented guy. So we started well and then as usually happens, it sort of um, yeah, went, went to pot a little bit and four down, I was batting six, walked out to bat, nervous as anything and the first ball hit me on the pad. And I remember thinking because um, Gary Wilson had used, um, or someone had used the review, and I remember getting hit on the pad and going, oh, that's outside. The... I was like, that's not out. And I was thinking about, don't give me out because we haven't got a review left. And then, uh, as you as you would have seen, it went to Steve Smith and he threw down the stumps before I stepped back into my crease. So, and it's funny, I remember, the, I still have the image of the zing bale flying past my ear and going, and then I think Matthew Wade or something said, call me an idiot or something. Oh, God. <laughs> and then, yeah, so I went to third man and I was run out. Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing, but it's one of those things. Yeah, and it, he was just in slip, wasn't he? He was or in gully. slip, yeah, and he yeah. Uh, yeah, threw down the stump. So I actually stepped back and it just looks terrible because I stepped back and I didn't actually step into the crease. And I got a bit of stick about it from people, but at the end of the day, I know at that moment, it happened very, very quick. So, uh, yeah, it was one of those stories that I'll have to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> so who was bowling against you? It was sure. actually um, – what's his name? He was on his debut. He plays for South Australia. Um, Worrell, Daniel Worrell. So he was actually his debut. Yeah, he's obviously a good, good bowler and uh, wasn't one of my best experiences. But, yeah, to still be able to walk out and play against some of those guys was, yeah, it was unreal. That was 2016? Yeah. You retired shortly after that. Mm. Which would have come as a shock to many, mm. also in the research for this. and The coaches were shocked. Yeah. Where did that come from? I guess over the time, um, and it's probably an interesting topic to talk about and, and something, I probably had a few mental health struggles over the time and um, had put things in place to try and deal with it. Um, and I was probably always running away from it. That's why I went from Hampshire to um, to Ireland and, I guess it got to a point where um, I was just over over there, and I just wasn't enjoying wasn't enjoying my cricket. I knew uh, I was playing games, and just yeah, just wasn't happy. And um, in the end, just just got a bit much. And I thought there's no point carrying on like this if you're not you're not enjoying it. And um, yeah, I think I realised it for me to get in a happier place and 
to make sure my mental health didn't deteriorate. I thought, yeah, I thought I'd need to be around um, around family, and um, yeah, so I headed back to Perth. And yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't a great time because in my life, because probably now you think if I was in a better frame of mind, could I have could I have dealt with it and played in test matches for Ireland? But I try not look at it like that because I know that I was trying to make the best call for for me and, and being around my family and and being back in Perth, which I'm I'm loving. Because you were chasing the the dream there, mm. and but you're away from something that's so important, which is friends and family. Mm. So that isolation yeah. would have been would have been challenging. Yeah. You came back, and then you spent a few years out of the game. How long out were you? No, so I came back in um, June. In oh, it started end of June, I think, in 2018. Um, and then I wasn't even sure if I was going to play for for Melbourne. I wasn't. Yeah, as I said, my, mentally I just was a bit bit nowhere, and I thought. And then I got back to Perth and I realised if I'm not going to play for Melbourne, I'm not going to be doing a lot. So I said to Melbourne, I'd, I'd play for them in, in the first grade and then um, uh, ended up, they wanted to make me captain uh, and played that season um, in, in grade cricket and um, yeah, it all, and sort of fell back in love with the game a bit and just enjoyed playing, playing there. And what were you able to achieve with Melville? Uh, we, yeah, so a lot of people wrote us off um, and we... We did really well last year. We made the the semi final of the of the of the grey competition, and we won the the Premier Twenty Twenty, uh, and ended up going to Adelaide for the inaugural um, Premier National um, Twenty Twenty, which was great fun. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed that season, and it, it made me. And it was funny. I actually probably felt like I was batting the best I ever batted all of those years when you when you when it was your career. And as soon as it wasn't my career, it, um, it just felt a whole lot easier. Mate, you're still young. Yeah, yeah. You would have come back here as a revered figure yeah. with what's in your belt, the experience. Mm. How have you responded to leadership? Yeah, I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, the guys call me call me Captain Grumpy a bit. I think that's because I'm dealing with a few few young guys and we're going through a bit of a transition. But but leadership's always something that that I've enjoyed um, and trying to help help people and taking that focus away from myself. Um, I think has helped my cricket and helped me enjoy it a lot more. Because um, yeah, when you're a professional, you're just thinking I've got to get runs, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Um, but for me now, and I mean it with sincerity, is that I just I want Melbourne to do well, and I think that's just helping um, my game. Your game really did um, go up a notch because uh, Adam Voges, who we mentioned earlier, yeah. has become the coach of the West Australian mm-hmm. setup, the men's setup, and you got the call up for the Scorchers yeah. in the big bash, yeah. in the big time. Yeah. You know, and that was that must have been incredible. Yeah. How did that materialise in those moments walking out of Adelaide Oval for your first big bash game? Yeah, now yeah, we talk about surreal experiences and that that really was because for me in my mind it was literally cricket's done. I've I've got to find something else to to do and it, it probably eventuated from so we played a semi-final for uh, Melville against Claremont and ended up just having one of those days where I just um yeah, you wish they could come a bit more and I got 100 in the 2020 and I think Cade Harvey who's involved with he was the assistant coach at the time he's now think director of cricket or director of performance and he was there um and then it just went from there it happened really quick I played in the second 11 did well there um was doing kept doing well for Melville and then went to training Vogue's he gave me a call and he said come come down to training I was like yeah that'd be great and cool to Nile Berendorf for bowling 
hit him terribly, so I thought, oh, this is great. <laughs> and then Vogue just at the end of training said, yeah, you're going to fly with us tomorrow to, to Adelaide. And it was, yeah, it was just crazy. He got a bag full of Scorchers kit. And I remember going home just going, what is going on? Um, and yeah, flew to Adelaide and played, played the game. So um, yeah, crazy. You're very good at that short-term packing, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, um, yeah, it was surreal. And uh, for me, that's one thing I didn't think would happen is to play in the big bash. But I guess now you have that taste of it. You, yeah, you want to go again. You are a cricketer who's, I, I remember, classic shots, beautiful cricket shots. Yeah. How do you find the advent of 2020 cricket where it's more 360, yeah. you've got all these fancy names for shots? Yeah. Back in the day when we were playing, like, Ryan Campbell was the most exotic cricketer. <laughs> yeah. But now that's the norm. Yeah. Yeah, kids are, some of the shots kids are playing where they're ramping it over their head. And, um, yeah, definitely didn't come naturally to me because, yeah, dad was quite a, technical sort of guy and I, I yeah as you say I probably grew up trying to be technically very perfect and um but yeah I think it's one of those things if you want to stay in the game now you have to sort of branch out and um I've worked on it a lot and managed to sort of come up with a game now where I can't still can't really hit it out miles out of the park but I try and do it my own way and yeah but what what guys can do now and kids can do now is crazy um, so yeah, old old boys like me have got to learn learn off them. Do you feel like the dream of of what you achieve within cricket has changed a little bit more? Because it used to be that baggy green yeah. test cricket is still an amazing spectacle mm. for those that really appreciate it. Yeah, but for people who are new to the game, maybe it's not the the most quicker sell. How do you find it for the cricketers you're working with at the moment, the young guys? Are, are their goals changing within the game? Um. I, I hope not, because um, I, th- I still think that baggy green, well, from what you hear Australians talk about it, and, and just playing test cricket still has that, that prestige about it. And I think people at the moment can still see that, for face value, that playing test cricket just means that little bit, little bit more. But, yeah, you, you have a point with all the franchises in 2020 and money and fireworks and music, and um, it's going to appeal to a lot of people. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what it's like in 10, 15 years. But I think now young cricketers are still chasing that typical baggy dream, uh, baggy green dream, should I say. I like that one, actually. We should use that, the yeah. baggy dream. Yeah, yeah, the baggy <laughs> dream, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really hope that 2020 doesn't take over. But yeah, I'm a bit of a purist. If we can change tack a little bit back yep. on what you said earlier, is there something about cricket that is more mentally taxing mm. on something like your, your mental health? Yeah, I guess um, for me it's been yeah it's been hard sort of listening to guys like um, obviously Maxi who I played with at Hampshire. Um, you see guys like Will Pekoski and um, I think Nick Maddinson's, or, and it's yeah it's really hard to to hear because I know know what that was like and. On the other hand, it's great to see them being embraced and, and people being encouraged to share. And it's amazing how quickly that attitude has come about and so many people have done so much good work because I know that when I was struggling, um, you didn't feel comfortable doing that. Um, you didn't feel comfortable talking about it. And it's great that those guys now are, are coming out and speaking about it. But, yeah, I think cricket is one of those games that... Um, is taxing on the mind, but I think there's people doing doing office jobs and and everything that are, that are struggling, and it's a, it's a horrible thing that some people have to deal with. Um, but yeah, definitely playing in that high intensity 
social media world that we live in now, it's definitely not going to help guys um, that are struggling. You're probably a while away from thinking about mm. it, but uh, coaching in cricket, mm. your dad is a phenomenal coach yeah. and he behind the scenes has brought over guys like Alistair Cook, you yeah. mentioned, James Vince, they've mm. spent time here in Australia. Uh, what's uh, what's that sort of has it inspired you in any way to think about that sort of thing later later on down the track um for me it it would probably be in terms of i think that that mental mental health side of things for me does really interest me in terms of not coaching players to to sweep it for six or just to just to how to deal with it and how to actually enjoy enjoy playing and just try and get the best out of them and and just that for me, culturally and and trying to and trying to help guys, yeah, enjoy the game is what I, I like to do. And yeah, I, I don't see myself sort of coaching, but I definitely see myself at, at Melville and and trying to help as many young players as I can. Um, it's funny, I, I I always said to Dad I'd never coach, but now you obviously when you realise that you can actually help people and be in the role I am at Melville, yeah, it's probably brought that out a bit, and we'll probably see where it, where it goes. A few questions about uh, maybe fanboy questions about yeah. cricket. <laughs> what was your favourite ground to play at? Lords, yeah, Lords. So I was lucky enough to play uh, one first class game there against Middlesex, and yeah, it was just loved every moment of it. Yeah, so you, definitely Lords. You walked down the long room yeah. to bat. Yeah. How did uh, you go out there? So all I didn't want to do was get a first ball duck, and I remember uh, I got 20 odd in the first innings, which I was happy with, and then. Was lucky enough. Got a fifty in the second inning, so got a nice little photo of um, acknowledging the pavilion, which is quite cool. And but yeah, it's just everything you hear about Lords is true. It's just amazing. Food's amazing. <laughs> Looks amazing. Just the just the feel. And obviously that was just a county game, so there was a, maybe a couple of thousand there. But it was just yeah, unreal. What do you get to eat there at Lords? Oh, it's like a. <laughs> It's like a three-course meal, and I think I think twice I was not out at lunch, and I'd never really eat much at lunch, and I was just thinking, because you get dessert and everything, and I was going, geez, I'm missing out here. Um, but yeah, there's there's we hear all the cricketers talk about it. You get yeah different choices and whatever you want. The best bowler you faced? Best bowler. It's funny because you play these guys in county cricket that if they played over here, they bowl 120 in little little seamers and. There's plenty of them in county cricket. Um, there was a guy, Glenn Chapel, who played for Lancashire, who probably should have played a lot more for England, but faced Stuart Broad once, and he's obviously top class. But yeah, luckily didn't have to face too many of the the superstars too much. But uh, and, and Rashid Khan's had my number, I think, three or four times, so he's probably he's probably up there. And uh, yeah, it's nice to see everyone else struggle against him. <laughs> when Stuart Broad is at the top of his run up, and you're about to face him, yeah. what are you thinking? Oh, it's it is hard because you do. It's hard not to play the the person, but yeah, you've just got to try and play the ball. And um, yeah, there's plenty of bowlers over the time where that that has come in, especially when you are a fan of cricket and you grow up looking at these guys, and then you might be facing them or or something. But uh, yeah, I guess it goes back to the old cliches: watch the ball and and all that. But yeah, it's like this year. I remember when I played for Ireland. Ireland and Afghanistan played against each other a lot and Rashid Khan and then I remember when I went out to play for the Scorchers I saw him come on to bowl and I went oh geez, I can't get away from this bloke and he ended up getting me out again but yeah it's, it's a privilege to play against those those guys and you've got to try and embrace it.
what are you thinking about as well when you're batting at that level? Like, are you thinking about the game situation or do you just try to block all that out and just be in that moment for that delivery? Yeah. What's the mind frame? Um, it's funny because for me, when I've, I felt when I've stepped up a level, um, when I used to play for Hampshire, I'd go from the second team, I'd get the odd first team game here and there. I usually did quite well and I think it's just because you're so you're so focused and you're so... Um, keen to do well whereas sometimes I've probably struggled at the the lower level where you're probably not at that heightened level of um, arousal so I've, I've always enjoyed that step up. I like so. the word arousal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good use of that. Yeah. Go back to my school days um, but no I think um, yeah I've always enjoyed that step up but yeah there's sometimes particularly with guys like say go to him again someone like a Rashid Khan where I've faced him a few times and gone yeah, I just don't know how to how to play this bloke, but it's very. You'd like to think it's very rare that that comes about, but I've been lucky enough to be in those situations where it's just you're almost in awe of who you're facing. Uh, how do you prepare yourself for long innings, like batting stamina? Mm. What sort of exercises have you done before? Coaches have have um, been able to impart that have made you be able to bat for a long time. Yeah, well, I guess when I was playing professionally and playing county cricket, I was big on on fitness and. Um, yeah, I pro- probably have a few too many beers now. I'm probably not in quite the same nick. But um, for me, it was fitness and just trying to... If I felt like I was fit, then I felt like I was I was mentally ready to, to bat. So that's important. And, and it is a huge mental game. So making sure that you, you have a process and you're aware of what you're doing. I talk to young guys a lot now about just trying to have the same routine, ball after ball, and you hear the best players talk about that. And So I think, yeah, you have to... Batting for those long periods definitely isn't something that people are born with. You have to put a lot of work into it. Uh, see Steve Smith, they talk about him. He's always thinking about batting. He's always thinking about problem solving. So yeah, so he's he's someone that it's been fascinating to, to listen to. But I think for me, it was being fit and putting a lot of time into your mental um, frame of mind. Well, the, how you said routine. They say sports people are pretty superstitious. Yep. Do you have any superstitions? I'm not too bad. I think I've got the old typical left pad on first, that sort of thing. But I think with cricketers, you do it without even noticing. For me, I'd be like, oh, I couldn't do that because that means I won't get runs or I can't eat that. Or Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, really. And then what was the innings you remember the most? Innings I remember the most. Yeah, there's, there's been a few. I, I remember there's been a couple that, that you just wish that you could – yeah, sometimes you just get possessed and you feel like you can literally do anything with, with the ball. And I remember that happened once. It was actually the, the innings that got me into the Irish team. I, I got a double hundred against Scotland. It was on a flat, flat wicket, but it was it was just one of those days where I was just... You, you do, you hear about some of the top players say it and they say, it's just, I wasn't going to get out and I could literally hit the ball wherever I like. And I remember that innings because you always search for it again. You're like, oh, I can't do that a bit more and... Um, but in terms of experience, uh, when you play at the big grounds, you remember them. But playing that game for Ireland against South Africa, I'll always remember that because just the crowd, the buzz, because that was what you wanted to do as a kid. And I remember thinking, it's pretty cool. I remember thinking after the game, that's pretty cool. If I don't do that again, at least I got to experience that because, um, and you can't take stuff like that for granted, especially when it's something that you dreamt of doing, playing in an international game in front of a crowd. So, yeah, that's one that always sticks with me. Just I remember sit, walking out and looking around and going, yeah, this is pretty cool. I know you're a soccer fan, yeah. uh, or football, as we mm-hmm. say. It's Tottenham Hotspur, Tottenham, isn't it? Yeah. 
Uh, last year was a good season, but uh, oh. not this not this season, hey? Not good. Did you get to a lot of games when you were over in uh, in the UK? Uh, when I was living in Southampton, I lived pretty close to St Mary's there. So I went to a few Saints games. It was always tough to get to White Hart Lane because um, just on the Saturdays and just trying to get tickets to Tottenham games is impossible. But I remember I did watch Tottenham at, at Southampton. I was in the Southampton end, so I had to stay nice and quiet. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy yeah the Premier League. And what made you Tottenham in the first place? So Dad was a, a big Tottenham fan. He was um, he was uh, obsessed with Glenn Hoddle growing up, and then I think it's one of those things. From a kid, he just would buy me Tottenham jerseys, and so I've got I've still got my jerseys from when I was a kid. And yeah, no, they're they've been they're an entertaining side to support anyway. Now Mourinho's there, so being even more entertaining oh for sure for sure <laughs> well sean this was very entertaining yeah i uh, really appreciate your time hope that there's many more double tons and triples uh, we saw david warner just make a triple against yeah. pakistan i think anyone could have against uh, that bowling attack unfortunately <laughs> but mate absolute pleasure so good to see you after all these years no definitely and, mate uh, it's been um been good to see you and we'll have to we'll have to do it more often Thank you, Sean. Cheers, mate. Take care. Hey, everyone. Wherever you are in the world, thanks heaps for listening to Frio de Janeiro. You can visit the show website, abidimam.com, A-B-I-D-I-M-A-M, for all of the show goodies. You can subscribe, leave a review. I appreciate it very much. And until the next episode, keep smiling, keep scoring.